Welcome. Happy Hump Day. It's the Patriot Radio News Hour live on this Wednesday, May the 10th. Our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. A lot of you taking advantage of that number. Uh, silver, especially, uh, or silver volumes, just in the last 10 days, is up about 800%. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. The website at allamericangold.com. And if you go out and you look at the site today, the very first two articles, job openings, you know, it's incredible. There's so many openings. And then right below it, Taco Bell. Yes, Taco Bell is going to hire 3,000 people for temporary work. Yes, we could now be a temporary burrito maker at Taco Bell, I guess they're just doing away. They they said that uh, temporary seasonal help, the only thing I could think of is, well, maybe they're just telling these kids, hey, you can apply for a summer job at Taco Bell, <laughs> but now you just don't have to lie and say, oh, no, when school starts, don't worry, I'll still work here. Uh, by the way, Taco Bell has... Uh, over 7,000 restaurants. Uh, I don't know exactly how many are in the United States, but let's just say half of those are here in the U.S. Uh, that's about one person per restaurant. So, yes, one one temporary worker per Taco Bell location coming to you. Uh, make sure you get out there and, and uh, get that done because we all know that's going to be able to pay the bills. Uh, you know, it's been a interesting 24 hours. You never know who's going to get fired. <laughs> FBI Director James uh, Comey got fired yesterday by President Trump for, well, let's face it, for doing a bad job. Um, only the second time that a president, you know, when you become the direct FBI director, you serve a 10-year term. Uh, Comey came in under Obama. Uh, the second time that an FBI director has been fired, uh, the other one, uh, not surprising, was done by a Democrat, uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, and everybody's up in arms. You know, I'm so tired of the Russian thing. I mean, I, I really, you know, the funny thing is anybody that thinks that that's new really has no clue. I mean, that's since the internet has started, that's what the Russians do, right? They try to hack everything. Uh, I don't know if you saw Condoleezza Rice was on The View, I think it was, and she was telling those ladies, <laughs> uh, that's not new, uh, you know, when I was in with George Bush, the Russians try to hack everything. That's just what they do. I mean, if you've ever bought a computer and turned it on and went online, you have been hacked. Probably by more than just the Russians. Probably by the Russians, the Chinese, and, and probably by the NSA as well. I mean, and everybody else in between. But I guess uh, the Donald was upset. <laughs> 
upset. I don't know. I don't know all the details, nor do I care. Uh, but a lot of people are saying this is going to make people angry and, and, and just like anything. You know, when did this happen? You know, I think about all of these uh, senators and the congressmen, they come home during their time off and they have these town hall meetings and you can't even have a meeting anymore. Right? Everybody's there and, and they're going crazy. They're angry. They're acting like you you went into their house, you slapped both the kids, you kicked the dog, you took a dump in the corner, you grabbed the chicken leg off the off the dinner table, slammed the guy's beer and left. You know, it used to be Everybody, all of us, I'm talking about the citizenry, we knew, Democrat or Republican, we were probably going to get the raw end of the deal. <laughs> but now, and I, and really I think it's, you know, kind of like uh, the Fox and the CNNs and, and the, the, you know, it's not even journalism. It, it, it's just propaganda where you have to be on one side or the other. When the, the realities used to be, you know, 90% of, or 80, you know, yeah, well, probably 80 to 90% of us were in the middle. And it was only 5 or 10% that were on one extreme or the other. And now it's almost like, hey, there's only about 5 or 10% of, of, of people in the middle, and everybody else is on one extreme or the other. And now, and it doesn't matter what happens, somebody's upset, and somebody, I mean, half the country's upset. Good, bad, or indifferent. And the realities are all bad for us. Washington has run amok. The Federal Reserve has run amok. I mean, all of the things that we, we, we strive for and we care about are slowly being stripped away. You know, somebody said, hey, how did you go bankrupt? Well, it was gradual at first, and then it was suddenly. And that's kind of what I feel like is about ready to happen to us. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. Eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Uh, gold and silver both higher today. Gold's up five, twelve twenty-one. Silver's up sixteen cents, uh, sixteen dollars and uh, seventeen cents. Kind of think it feels like we don't know yet, but it feels like the bottom is in. Uh, and, and really, kind of, you know, you can almost set your watch to it. We're not quite sure. Uh, what the exact dates are, but we talked about it the other day. Usually, five to ten days on either side of a Fed meeting uh, is is where it is, and we're we're now kind of what we're we're that was a week ago, right? So five we spent five working days. Uh, don't count the weekend. Five working days since the Fed meeting, and you know when you look especially at silver. Again, when you when you look at trends and you you kind of study uh, long term what the market does, 
when you when you look at how many ounces of silver does it take to buy an ounce of gold and everybody i'm i guess i'm on the 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 lighter side of these things i'm not nearly as aggressive most of the people out there if you do some research always say hey 50 to 1 you know when you take the long term that's the average I'm more of a guy that's more like 60 to 1. And in recent times, and, I, and we're talking now the last, say, three or four years, that number's really been kind of, what, in the mid-60s? Right now, that number's over 75. It's about 75 and a half ounces of silver to buy an ounce of gold. And, and you think about, you know, up until today, really, silver's been on a 15, almost a 15, almost 15 straight days. I know for, I think they got to two weeks. I think they made 14 days in a row where they, the silver market sold. So it, it's oversold, uh, definitely due for a bounce. Uh, right now, I, uh, U.S. Silver Eagles, they're $390 a roll. Uh, if you buy a case, a case, the Green Monster box, that's 25 rolls or 500 ounces. Uh, when you buy a case today, uh, they're 385. So you save, you save five dollars a roll, it'd be nine thousand six hundred and twenty-five dollars for a monster box of U.S. Silver Eagles. Uh, if you buy them by the roll, they come in. There's 20 in a roll. They're in their mint tubes. Uh, those are at $390. And this is a way where, you know what I, what I, what I love about this is you get to put it away. And, and really, when, when we buy, the vast majority of our customers, when we're buying, right, we're, we're buying for wealth preservation. Right? I mean, most of us, that's what we're doing. Right? We get it. We know the debts, they're unsustainable, they're not payable, right? And, and the, the Federal Reserve, they just play games, right? And they try to extend and pretend. And, you know, you think about it. We've been living in this, this new era of debt really since 1971. And now we're kind of what? We're kind of at the, the end of this era. Because now the the bills are coming due now. <laughs> That's fine. Right up until you got to pay the bill. And and so now we have every form of debt is at record high. Right, the national debt. Right, we don't even know what it is right now. We know it's twenty trillion something. Is at an all time high. The amount of debt that the Federal Reserve has on their balance sheet at an all-time high. The amount of debt carried by the cities and the states and the pension funds are at all-time highs. The amount of debt carried by the consumers are at all-time highs. And so when, when that stops, Right, then you are stuck in what we we're calling, you know, you call it a mess, call it what you will, but you, you kind of see like, God, there's really not a good way out of this. You know, we, we, we don't have any GDP growth to speak of. 
You know, most people don't realize, you know, the debt in 2000 wasn't even, it was $5 trillion. It's $20 trillion now. And this is how quickly it's escalated. You know, when you, you think about what's, what's now going to happen over the next phase here, and the problem is the math doesn't work. It's going to triple again. So you're thinking about, well, if, if we tripled it in seven years or in 17 years, if we tripled it again, I mean, you're talking about 60 trillion. And, and it just becomes really almost unbelievable. But this is really what we face. And those, those are just economic facts. You know, we sit there and they, they say, you know, hey, look at all these job postings. <laughs> and they're wonderful. But they don't pay enough. You know, I remember when uh, I was doing the shows with Eric. You know, remember, he would say crazy stuff. Well, you know what? At the time, I thought they were crazy. Matter of fact, I'd make comments like, oh, you can't say that. Right? I want people to view us as being credible. And you're saying things that aren't credible. And, and we'd laugh about it and listen to but he, he was right. They were right. And you know what? He didn't say them. You know, just willy-nilly, like, oh, I'm just trying to guess, or or somehow, you know, God talked to him the night before and told him, listen, General Motors is going to go bankrupt, <laughs> which was probably one of his most famous calls. But remember, he was talking about, and this was 10 years ago, okay, the minimum wage has to be 15 bucks. And this was when the minimum wage was like 7 and if you ask him today, he'll tell you, oh, uh, 15, that was a while, you know, that, that, number's, that number's out. It needs to be 30. And you need to understand what it is that the Federal Reserve really is trying to get to. They want inflation. They don't want a little bit of it. They want a lot of it. And the reason they want a lot of it is very, very simple. Because that's the only way that they could reasonably say, oh, that, that's okay. You know, it's okay, because look at, look at GDP. <laughs> right? right? Well, the GDP's, you know, $30 trillion, so, you know... $50 trillion in debt's not that bad. And, and you think of how they actually go about calculating GDP and all the advantages they give to that number. Then you think about how they calculate I inflation. And nobody living today, especially, you know what, you really want to know what it is. If you know somebody that is on a fixed income, ask them. And they will tell you. 
listen, this is what I get. I get $2,000 a month. Okay, that's all I get. And I have to live off of that. I got $2,000 a month 10 years ago, and this is where I was at. Ten years later, I'm still getting to two thousand, and now I'm I'm here. My rent's gone up, my electric bill's gone up, my power bill's gone up, my health insurance has gone up, my copay has gone up. Right, you get it. And they're sitting there saying, I don't know what they're talking about because you know there's been no inflation for years now. Just ask them; they'll tell you. Anybody that's out there living off of Social Security, you know what I'm talking about. The COLA adjustment. Do you know that when they started to do the COLA adjustment, by the way, everything ties back to the the early 70s, too. They started doing those because they knew what they were going to do. You know, when they finally went full fiat. And, and and some of you may not understand this, but when Richard Nixon gave that address uh, to the nation about closing the gold window, what that really meant, right, to, to the average person, all of that really meant was, hey, foreign governments could no longer say to the United States, hey, you know, I just, you know, I bought these 10-year notes, and they, they, they've hit maturity. And what was happening was when they hit maturity, right, kind of kind of think about it this way, they hit maturity, and the, the Treasury called them up, right? Hey, Fred, hey, how you doing today? Hey, I noticed that this, uh, this 10-year notes that you bought, you know, I see here you bought a, a million dollars worth of 10-year notes. They're going to uh, they're going to come due here at the end of the week. They're going to come due here at the end of the month. You want me to go ahead and put the order in for you to roll that over again and buy 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 another 10 years worth? And the answer that they were getting was, eh, meh. I don't want you to roll that. As a matter of fact, you know what? Why don't you just send me send me that in gold, and we'll call it good. And send me that in in in, in gold at thirty five dollars, right? And all this gold was leaving the country, and so a lot of people think, well, we were just being practical, and we just stopped these governments from turning dollars into gold. Then, of course, you remember, if you remember the speech Nixon gave, why was it so important for Americans to buy American? Because if you remember in this speech, that was one of the big parts of it. Because there was people out there that knew what the real ramifications were. 
And the real ramifications were, oh no, we're going to go, we're going to go full fiat here. We're going to amp up the print, printing pressures. We are going to start making people poorer. I know that's, is that a word, poorer, or am I just making it up? We are going to start fleecing the middle class. That's really what it was. And the only way that was not going to happen was we had to buy American. Yep, we had to buy the television that cost three times as much. We didn't do that. So now what's happening? We'll talk about that next. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, here's Ryan Haidt. Phyllis Schlafly knew what it was like to work hard in college. She attended Washington University in St. Louis, where she graduated with honors, while working nights full-time at a munitions plant. Needless to say, she wasn't exactly sympathetic toward campus rioters and draft dodgers in 1970. However, what sets her apart from other voices of the time is that she didn't write off all youth as beyond hope. Her realistic optimism makes the June and December 1970 Phyllis Schlafly reports exceptionally insightful and applicable today. The June report ran with the headline, The Hard Hats versus the Soft Heads. In it, Phyllis disassembled the arguments of campus protesters in classic Phyllis fashion. She unashamedly called the problem as she saw it, identifying the soft heads responsible as professional agitators, radical professors, spineless administrators, and communist interference. She said, There is only one language the soft heads understand. Cut off the money. Her words were colloquial, her logic was sound, and her solutions were practical. The December report shows a different talent Phyllis possessed. It explained why youth are a boon for conservatives, not for liberals. College rioters vowed to come out in droves against conservatives in the 1970 election. However, that simply didn't happen. As Phyllis explained, the obvious explanation is that campus radicals found political campaigns too much hard work. However, she also knew that conservative young people weren't that way. Phyllis Schlafly saw the untapped and overlooked potential of young people and beckoned for conservatives to pay attention. Just as in 1970, the youth of today are largely written off as being either liberal or lazy. However, there are many dedicated young conservatives who are looking for causes to get behind, and it's up to us to present that opportunity to them. There, I think, is the key, she said. We have to ask these bright and eager young people to participate in politics, our kind of politics. They say that the hallmark of a good leader is to unlock the hidden potential of others. Phyllis Schlafly could do that like no other, and that is why we should celebrate and emulate her legacy. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The liberal agenda is corrupting classrooms in colleges, high schools, and elementary schools across the country. If you're a parent, teacher, or administrator who really cares about our children, we're asking you to get involved and share your story on PSEagles.com. That's PSEagles.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
The third indispensable element in building the new prosperity is closely related to creating new jobs and halting inflation. We must protect the position of the American dollar as a pillar of monetary stability around the world. In the past seven years, there's been an average of one international monetary crisis every year. Now, who gains from these crises? Not the working man, not the investor, not the real producers of wealth. The gainers are the international money speculators. Because they thrive on crises, they help to create them. In recent weeks, the speculators have been waging an all-out war on the American dollar. The strength of a nation's currency is based on the strength of that nation's economy. And the American economy is by far the strongest in the world. Accordingly, I have directed the Secretary of the Treasury to take the action necessary to defend the dollar against the speculators. I have directed Secretary Connolly to suspend temporarily the convertibility of the dollar into gold or other reserve assets, except in amounts and conditions determined to be in the interest of monetary stability and in the best interest of the United States. Now, what does this action, which is very technical, what does it mean for you? Let me lay to rest the bugaboo of what is called devaluation. If you want to buy a foreign car or take a trip abroad, market conditions may cause your dollar to buy slightly less. But if you are among the overwhelming majority of Americans who buy American-made products in America, your dollar will be worth just as much tomorrow as it is today. The effect of this action, in other words, will be to stabilize the dollar. Now, this action will not win us any friends among the international money traders. But our primary concern is with the American workers and with fair competition around the world. To our friends abroad, including the many responsible members of the international banking community who are dedicated to stability and the flow of trade, I give this assurance. The United States has always been and will continue to be a forward-looking and trustworthy trading partner. In full cooperation with the International Monetary Fund and those who trade with us, we will press for the necessary reforms to set up an urgently needed new international monetary system. Stability and equal treatment is in everybody's best interest. I am determined that the American dollar must never again be a hostage in the hands of international speculators. I'm taking one further step to protect the dollar, to improve our balance of payments, and to increase jobs for Americans. As a temporary measure, I am today imposing an additional tax of 10% on goods imported into the United States. This is a better solution for international trade than direct controls on the amount of imports. This import tax is a temporary action. It isn't directed against any other country. It's an action to make certain that American products will not be at a disadvantage because of unfair exchange rates. When the unfair treatment is ended, the import tax will end as well. As a result of these actions, the product of American labor will be more competitive, and the unfair edge that some of our foreign competition has will be removed.
This is a major reason why our trade balance has eroded over the past 15 years. How did he do? So you start thinking about a lot of that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Right? How many of us wanted to see tariffs put on trade so we could bring back the American worker? See, but it was never about you. It was never about us. Matter of fact, we have not really since this speech Outside of, well, you know, we we had one year, 1975, I think it was, 74, something like that. We haven't run a trade surplus ever again, ever. Think about some of the things that he said. Your dollar, we're doing this. So your dollar will be worth just as much tomorrow as it is today. Not even close. Matter of fact, now they openly say, hey, listen, we want it to be worth less. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they just call it inflation. And by the way, they don't calculate inflation the way they did in the 70s. Uh-uh. Nope. None of that stuff count. And so the, the real action right this is like Obamacare right this is the same thing hey it's going to reduce the debt you're going to be able to keep your doctor it's going to it's going to be great it's going to pay for itself <laughs> none of that was true As a matter of fact the exact opposite was true it had nothing to do with protecting the American worker It had everything to do with exerting control over the financial system. Because there was people out there that said, hey, wait a minute. Are these debts, what are you guys doing? I mean, you used to run pretty much a balanced budget with the exception of wartime. Right? Now you're just going into debt. And this is what they wanted. And this is what they said was going to create the great economic growth that was the United States. And it was a completely different kind of economic growth than we had saw before. See, before when we had economic growth, it's because we were making stuff. And we were selling that stuff to everybody else. This type of economic growth was going to be far, far different. This was going to be debt-driven economic growth. And every time, every recession, every setback, we lose 10, 10 people you know, for every one new millionaire, billionaire, well, now, you know, they used to be millionaires, now you got to call them billionaires. For every one new billionaire, ten others fall out of the middle class. 
right? And they don't they don't move up; they fall out. And not to mention the whole middle class in general is what losing losing ground year after year after year after year. And all of the things that they promised us was going to happen by going and giving the power to the central bank ended up being a fairy tale. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. I am taking this action to protect the American worker and the vast majority of Americans that buy American products. Or so the story went. Now today, think about where it is today. We haven't run a trade surplus pretty much you know, with the exception of a couple of little pitting ones right after that speech, since that speech. We didn't run a single trade surplus in the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. And let's face I mean, the, the trade deficits now are, I don't, I don't even know what they are, five, six hundred billion dollars a year? Think about that. Think about five hundred billion dollars leaving the country. Right when they they stopped all the gold from leaving the country with this action, right, and they were going to protect you. What if we replaced it with the American worker? This is out of the Von Mises Institute this month. The American worker, as a whole, are facing a disagreeable disorder. Their debt burdens are increasing, right? We've talked about that. All four levels at records. Their incomes are stagnating. Right? We all know this as well. These are facts. I'm not making them up. And it's funny when people want to argue. I deal with the facts. Facts are debt levels for the average American worker have never been this high. Wages. We are poorer factually have less wealth today than we did five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago. There are many reasons why, and there's no doubt. There would need to take several large volumes to chronicle all of them. Right? But this has been, make no mistake about it, This has been a decades-long intervention that has been going on, and really a decades-long attack on the American citizenry. The financial system, circa 2017, the economy that supports it being stretched to the breaking point. And I know some of you think, oh, no, things are getting better. No, they're not. Right? You put lipstick on the pig, did it make it a little prettier? Maybe it's still a pig. Short-sighted financial, fiscal, and monetary policies that have been enacted 
course, you know, you think about what all they've done, right, to try to quote-unquote save it, right? save what they've done. Of course, because if they don't save it, you'll realize what it is that I'm talking about. The result is a, fi- a failing financial order that has become near intolerable for all but the gravy-supplying political class and their cronies. Right now, and I talk about it all the time. This is now the economy of the very few. If you take out the top 5% of wage earners, <laughs> there's no growth in wages for anybody. If you actually used real inflation data, right, instead of seasonally adjusted, take consumer spending. This is the primary driver of the U.S. economy. In 1971, the vast majority of all consumer spending was done with the money that the consumer had. Today, this consumer spending requires vast amounts of credit. And you all know what I'm talking about. There's not enough check to last the month. And you start that slow burn of charging it. In fact, American consumers hold more revolving debt than ever before. At the same time, they have nowhere near the income needed to finance these debts more and even less to pay them off. The flip side of credit is debt. The divergence of the increasing debt and the stagnating incomes is a condition that cannot last. And you start thinking about we have now become debt slaves. And this is really what's happened. And it's taken decades. But think about where we're at right now. We have everybody with record levels of debt, and yet we have very little actual economic growth. And so when you start thinking about it, we've become slaves to our debts. We no longer can dig ourselves out. Right, the 67 extra cents an hour isn't going to cut it. How do you really think this is going to work? How do you really think the next 10 years is going to play out? I mean, really. I've got a really good idea because I know how the math adds up. Patriot Radio News Hour, final segment coming up. Final segment on this Wednesday. You know, we were starting 
to default on this debt because it became unpayable. The burden became too great, right? And and you think about the millions of people that lost their homes. And then, of course, the Federal Reserve and the government, they bailed out the businesses, right? They created all of this debt to, quote-unquote, fix the problem. And greater amounts of debt can be and is. It's a temporary solution to a debt problem, isn't it? Well, I've got all this debt that I can't pay, but if you loan me more money, maybe I can figure it out. (laughs) I'll just go into more debt. The problem is those greater amounts of debt gradually compound into these sudden bankruptcies. Like when I started the show, how did you go bankrupt? It was gradual at first, but then it was suddenly. Look at all these retailers all going bankrupt. They were bankrupt 10 years ago. But they just got loaned more money, cheap money, right? And cheap money being the key word. And now we're seeing it, what, manifest itself in a different way. And now we're seeing these these consumers. Again. Because let's face it, even if you lost your home, you had to go rent a house, rent a home, and rents are crazy hot. Nobody has enough money, and we're seeing all these defaults rise again. And over the next 10 years, all of these debt programs, talking about Social Security and Medicare and all of these, all explode. All the pensions blow up. They all blow up. The bill is now due. The math is very simple. Right? We didn't protect the American worker. We didn't buy American. The minimum wage isn't $30 an hour. The average cost of a car isn't 100000 The average cost of the home, well, it's getting close, but it's not a million yet. But it needed to be. That's where we come in. If you've been one of those people, and there's less and less of them, right, that are fortunate enough to have something put away, make sure you also have the hedge against debt, because really when you strip out the debt, there's not a lot there. The actual real economy is continuing to hemorrhage. Uh, And today, uh, U.S. Silver Eagles, 75 and a half ounces which historically uh, is is up there right it's not as you know two years ago it got into to the low 80s that's been the best opportunity I've seen in the 14 years I'm doing it but this is the second best opportunity right now here at just under 76 ounces US silver eagles they're 390 a roll you get 20 ounces in a roll. They come in their mint tubes. If you buy a case, we'll knock $5 a roll off of that, so you get them for $385. Cases are 9625 Call us today at 800-951-0592. Make sure you're ready for what we all know is coming. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll talk again. 